0: God has been working when it comes to revival, when it comes to the subject of revival, and God has put Elijah on my heart. And so for the past couple of weeks, I've been speaking about Elijah, and this week will be no exception. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 45 will be the text for today. I will read it right now. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, For there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servants, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went and he looked, and he said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass... That the seventh time he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. How about a prayer checkup? about some reality. You know, if I was just to ask you, how's your prayer life right now? How many people would be like, mine is a solid 10 out of 10. I mean, it is like glory of glories, you know, bow before the throne prayer. How many of you would be like, well, it's around a round of five. It's all right. God obviously wants more, but I'm okay with it. How many would say, you know, I, uh, out of like a zero to one, like I'm barely moving the needle here in faith. You're somewhere in that. I won't ask you to raise your hands or, you know, sit according to section, according to that. I won't do that to you. But we learn many things from Elijah. We learn many things from this story. But if there's one thing that we learn with certainty is the power of prayer. He puts on a master class in prayer and how we should pray. In James 5.17, it alludes to this, and it tells me that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he did something. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He was just like us. He had the ability to say, I am a nobody. I cannot make it rain. I can't change weather patterns, but I know someone who can. I know the God in whom I believe, and I know that he is able. He prayed earnestly. It's not a word that we use very often anymore, but how about this word, boldly. He prayed boldly. He prayed like he was a son of God. Do you pray like you are a son or daughter of the living God? It reminds me of Hebrews. Hebrews 4.16. To come boldly before a throne of grace, it tells me. Come boldly that I may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Well, here's the deal the same throne that mercy flows from, the same throne that grace flows from, the God that sits there can make it rain. The same God sitting on that throne. Some of you are wondering, God, What's going to happen? See, as a pastor, people ask me things all the time. And sometimes they don't want to say it outright, but the question they're asking is, does prayer really matter? Does prayer help? And you may be like, oh my gosh, who would ask that in church? You know who would ask that? People who are in places where they have their back against the wall and they are wondering, does prayer work? People like you and me, people like Elijah, Bold prayer doesn't mean arrogant prayer. It means that I have the ability to come before my God constantly. I have the ability to come before him without reservation, without these fancy words, with the confidence to know that he will give me what is within his will. I think about confidence. I think about my children when it comes to Graham. My children have confidence to approach Graham to ask for just about anything. If my kids asked for a baby hippo, it would probably end up at my house that evening. My mom would be like, well, they wanted it, kid. They they needed a hippo. It's time to tap into some John 14, 13. And whatsoever you will ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Why don't we ask? Is it we're afraid that God's going to look bad? Do we not pray for specifics? Maybe for this reason, I'm going to say something. I'm not saying it to make anyone mad. But it's time to quit insulting an all-powerful God by asking for general things because we know that if we start stepping out in faith and asking for specifics, it's going to shake up a mediocre walk. That it's easier just to be mediocre and not put yourself out there sometimes. If there's a two-word summary of verse 41, it would be, it's time. Every week that we've talked about revival, those words have come up. It's time. The dry season is ending. Get ready. Elijah says, I hear something. I hear the abundance. It's the sound of the abundance of rain. The Bible doesn't say that as soon as Elijah begins to speak these words, that the drops begin to fall. In faith, I need to speak what my God can do before I feel the rain begin to fall. Because what I hear in the spiritual when it comes to revival is that there is a deluge coming. There is a cloudburst coming. For those of you who are from southern places in the U.S., there is a gully washer that is coming. It's time to speak it. Here's some boldness. How about the person that's sitting next to you right now that maybe you're married to him, maybe you're good friends with them. Maybe it's time for us to turn to the person next to us and to sort of share with them the things that you know that you hear an abundance of rain about. Oh, and you're like, what's that even mean? There are some famine situations in your life and you've just been enduring that. But maybe it's time that we turn to those people that are closest to us and saying, I hear rain about to come. Specifically, I hear an abundance of grace about to fall. I believe that souls are going to come running to God's altars. I hear an abundance of sobriety in situations where you don't know what to do with that family member. I hear an abundance of romantic love and butterflies in dying marriages. I hear happy birthdays and family vacations being planned within broken families. Boldness. See, that's what I hear, and it's time for us in faith to begin to step into those places and to begin to speak that. Abundance. It's wild that that word, when you look at these original words that were used for this, it means two things. One is murmuring, and the other one is multiplication. There are times when it feels like we're in the famine where we can't help but murmur. We can't help but say, God, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. Our faith can take a hit. But if you can hear that sound, with confidence of the rain that's going to fall. God's going to begin to multiply the blessings that are going to be in your life. Oh, he heard the sound of an abundance of rain, but he didn't stop praying until the rain began to fall. That speaks to me. It says that he went to the top of Mount Carmel. Why in the world would you do such a thing? It was like a prayer closet on steroids. There are certain people that I follow, and you'd be like, which theologians do you follow? Well, I follow Bear Grylls. And because I follow Bear Grylls, I get these recommendations for different things. And so the one day my phone rings, and I think that it's like a car warranty thing, and it is some lady from New Zealand because I had been recommended to them to maybe go to a base camp expedition in Nepal. And so I was just, I was talking to her for a while because she sounded so cool, you know, like someone from New Zealand, this accent, it was just so cool. But what's wild about this is, thinking of Elijah, if you were to go, like, it would end, so this base camp, there are many different types of environments you pass through, but it would end here, and you get to spend the night in these lush surroundings, check that out, it would be very cold, but you would be at a base camp of Everest, right? But here's the thing. So many of us will stop at the base camp experience, but the truth is God's saying, ascend. Give me this next one. Check this out. Did you notice how many tents there were in the first one? God did not call us to be common. God called us to go up where not many people dare to go up. He's challenging you, and he is saying, do you really want to ascend, or do you just want the brochure and have a nice experience? It's time for the church to ascend. There was a public outpouring, this Habakkuk two one. this I'll stand upon my watch, I'll set myself on the tower, and I will watch to see what the Lord will say to me. That's where Elijah was. Some of us, no one has noticed the watch that you have been on. You haven't gotten any applause for it. No one has looked at the tower that you've ascended and commented on the architecture, but it's been for God. If the watch has been for God, and if your ears are attuned to God, it doesn't matter what man thinks. There's a twofold reason that he went up there at the top. Number one was so that he could get in his prayer position before God. And the second one, so he could have an eagle-eye view for the miracle that was about to happen. Mount Carmel, do you know what it means? It means a fruitful place. The audacity of God that during a famine that he would lead God's people to a fruitful place. But that is the God that we serve. So it says in the Bible that Elijah, he bows his head so that it touched his knees. The wording there is he stretched himself. We often ask, God, use me. Why aren't you using me? It's never been God saying, I don't want to stretch you. Often it's us saying, please don't stretch me because this is going to be weird and I don't want to go where you're taking me. See, he wasn't kneeling. He wasn't sitting. He wasn't standing. He wasn't laying prostrate before the Lord. This is odd. Some people may look at him and be like, he seems to have lost his identity, Wasn't this just the guy who was standing up before the prophets of Baal as straight as an arrow and declaring God's will? But here he is laying on his face. And there are going to be times when God calls you as his man or his woman to break routine, to break the routine of what people think about you, to change up the posture of the way that you seek. Oh, that word face has two meanings, it, countenance and battle. So check this out. When it says that he placed his face between his knees, it means between his knees. It means a position of adoration and blessing to God. So when he's in a place where he is asking for God's blessing to fall, he literally takes the battle and he put blessing and adoration for God before him. In other words, this is how I fight my battles. That when you don't know what's going on, begin to speak God's name like you never have before. He says to his servant, go look toward the sea. Oh, original wording again, look to consider it's like this march and the sea is the place where all the waves are making the noise you're in a spot where all you can hear is the noise that's going on but it's almost saying in this way what I want you to do is I want you to consider where we're going to march when the rain starts to fall I want you to consider how you're going to take in the miracle that you're about to behold I know that it's coming I've heard it I've heard it no I want you to go see it but while you go and look, he says the servant, I'm going to remain here because God is doing something. He's forming me. He's stretching me in this season. I love when you look up the meaning of these words. You get your strongs out and you look it up. One of the meanings of servant is to shake it off. Little T. Swift theology going on. Shake it off. And so as he is looking toward the sea. As he's looking over the noise, it's almost like God's saying, this is a season to begin to shake things off. Do you hear that noise? That's the noise of the rain about to fall. And all I can think is I was, is footloose. It is time to shake off your Sunday shoes, but it's time to shake off your sandals and put on your mud boots. I live in Leroy and we wear mud, well, I wear mud boots most of the year, but in Leroy, you wear mud boots from about the end of summer to the beginning of summer. The rain's about to fall. It's about to get messy around here. And you need to shake off those things that have kept you wondering what God's going to do. So he goes and looks and he comes back and he's like, no rain. And Elijah says to him, go again. Go again. Literally dig in dig in to see the promise fulfilled but you're gonna find me here stubbornly persisting in prayer you keep looking but I'm not gonna quit praying because powerful prayers are persistent prayers and so he returns to Elijah six times with a report of no rain and some of you this is where you are right now you have been sincerely on your face asking God and I would say go again I would say go again because a process is not meant to frustrate you. It is meant to build a godly anticipation because the plan has already been worked out. Go again. And he comes back and he says, and again. Get that Jacob resolution within you from Genesis 32 when he was wrestling the angel. And he said, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. There are some times that your prayer, it may feel like a wrestling match. There's other times that it may feel like an MMA match. But don't let the outward circumstance affect your inner assurance about what God's going to do. Go again. Go again. Crazy. How about this word, this meaning here? Like an anvil. In other words, hammer away at what you know God has told you. Do not stop. And you're like, but I'm weary, but I'm tired, but this noise is driving me crazy. And God say, keep hammering, keep hammering. Because you can't make the rain fall, but the God Doppler is going off in so many ways. Some Psalm 68, 9. Thou, O Lord, you did send a plentiful rain whereby you did confirm your inheritance when it was weary. Some of us are weary, but you are sons and daughters of the living God. And it is about to rain down just as a confirmation. God, do you even see me? Oh, I don't just see you. I'm your Father. The abundance of God. It's about to confirm inheritance to someone. Someone has been on their knees. Someone through tears has been putting up that adoration. Someone's had that sound of rain in their ears for a while now. And the servant comes back and he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand and it's rising out of the sea. When he said, I didn't see anything before it meant he didn't even see a speck but he went back he went back and what I love about this is with the climb when he went back to this it doesn't say and he went back deflated because he knew he had been so many times and didn't see anything he went with the same God resolve and with his eyes wide open because he knew that he knew that God was going to come through and he says I see this little cloud Oh, it's tiny. Uh, The wording, it's diminutive, but it's thick. Reminds me of that Shakespeare quote. Though she be little, she is fierce. That's the type of clouds that are on the horizon, church. That's the type of revival that is coming. But here's what's beautiful. Testimony does not wait for the rain to fall. Hear that hear it again. The God testimony does not wait for the rain to fall. What that would be is simply saying, this is what just happened. It takes some faith to say, I hear it, and I'm going to speak it right now. And the beautiful part of it is that testimony does not remain just within God's house. What do I mean by that? The first thing that happens after the servant gives this report is that Elijah says, go and tell Ahab Go and tell Ahab he better saddle up that chariot because when it starts to rain, things are going to get messy. I want the people that know me from outside of this church to know that they're in the splash zone. That's what I want. I walk with God and he's going to bless me. And, you know, if you're around and a blessing starts falling, I'm sorry, you may get freaked out, but that's the way that it works with God. Some may say, oh, how cute, a little hand. You know, and that's how we feel. We pray those cute little hand prayers, and it's just like the queen wave, right? A little hand. I see you. And I always do this, like with babies. Like when Ruthie's born, you know what I can do? I'm going to wave at her every time. I always do this with babies, and babies probably like, okay, weirdo. That's how I can be with prayers. But the wording there says it's like a cupped hand. It's small, but it's like a hollow of a hand. In other words, it's holding something. And there are small things that are on the horizon that God is just wanting you to take a closer look at because small things hold the promise of abundance. Then it came to pass. Oh, I love this wording in the meanwhile, or on the other side. Faith is moving behind the scenes in the meanwhile. For every parent here that falls asleep crying over their baby that they are praying over, those same prayers, that same faith doesn't go to sleep when you close your eyes. In the meanwhile, it is shaking hell. In the meanwhile, there are angel armies that are surrounding God's own. In the meanwhile, God's about to take us to the other side of those things that we think are insurmountable. On the other side. It says the sky became black with clouds, the wind blew, and then the rain fell. There is a word that keeps popping up, though went in, I was going to tell my wife about it. She's watching one of those date lines, and I didn't want to really dig in too much with her because she's a junior detective and all. That word is ascend. If there is a thread that ties those five verses together, it's this word ascend. And it, it starts this way, that when Elijah had gone to Ahab and he said it's about to rain, it says that Ahab ascended. Now, see, when the world ascends, the world ascends in a way. When Ahab ascended, it was to go fill his own belly. When the world ascends, it can be self-serving, and there is not God power in the way that the world ascends. Oh, that second ascend, though, is when Elijah ascends Mount Carmel. He did it to be alone with God. And God's calling some of us to a place of ascension. He is calling some of us to a higher place. There is a power in the way that a man or woman of God makes the climb. There's a... a way that when they begin to stretch before God when they're in that place of ascension where there is a blessing and adoration of your king that just begins to spill out of your mouth. The next ascension is when he went to the servant and he said, go, go, go and look because it's going to happen and bring the report. When he says that, it says that the servant ascended. He was looking over the waves and over the noise for that sign of rain to come. And he went again and again and again. That godly anticipation of ascension that says, I know what my God's going to do, and my eyes are wide open to see every bit of it. Oh, and that next one, it says that small cloud ascended from the sea. There are those places in faith, I cannot make it rain, but I can ascend in the way that God tells me to ascend. And as this cloud comes up out of the sea, what looks like a speck is soon going to cover the whole sky, people. What looks like we don't know how God's going to move is soon going to be we don't even know how life was before God moved this way. There's a multiplication of blessing that is coming. There is a rain that's about to fall on a thirsty land. It's breaking out here and there. There are places, I was just talking to someone this morning, there are places that revival is breaking out that have all the theologians stumped because all their knowledge didn't cause the fire to fall. But the sincerity in seeking and true repentance have brought revival in places that have left the theologians dumbfounded. The servant ascended to tell Ahab to get moving. I want nothing more than to not be reactive and be able to tell the world, you know what? Get moving because a blessing of God is about to occupy this spot. What do I mean by that? I mean the show that the world puts on with all the agendas that can go on and they push the church out and it's this and it's that and you're not welcome here. It's time for the church to step up and to say, you know what? The blessing of God, I claim this spot. And I claim this spot and I claim this spot. And I'm just going to stretch out here and wait for the rain to fall. That is what's coming. To close this, a real theologian here, Spurgeon said this, that there are four certain signs of faith that clearly perceive when there is an awakening or a genuine revival about to come. The first thing that Spurgeon said is a growing dissatisfaction with the present state of things and increasing anxiety by members of the church about salvation and the lost. Church, if we want to see revival, it's time for us to stop doing status quo and to get our heart broken for the things that break God's heart. You know, it's time to take these biblical things and to put it into action in a way that we never have before. The second thing Spurgeon said, when that anxiety about souls leads us to a place where we are exceedingly earnest in prayer, exceedingly bold in prayer, where we are calling it out in the spiritual in a way that we never have before. A third thing, when ministers begin to turn to one another and say, what shall we do? You know what? I love this. Because for so long, I am so done with churches being like this club and that club and that club and this club. That's not how heaven's going to be. News flash I am ready For as ministers To come together With other ones With broken hearts And seek God And shake heaven To come up with things And saying Isn't it wild How we all have Our own little budgets For things like that Why don't we take the land Why don't we take the land The time is coming Because what we've been doing It isn't working And I'm a pastor So I can say it Up to this point Revival hasn't happened On our terms It's only going to happen on God's terms. The final thing Spurgeon says is when we see the doctrine of the individual turn to a place of responsibility and action like never before. In other words, when the church is in revival outside of the church, then revival will begin to come into the church. We need to pray to see the promises. When revival falls, I want it to fall on me praying for it. I want to be in a state of worship when it starts to rain that I'm like, it's raining, but I'm pressing into God right now. I want to watch the sky fill with the clouds. I want to watch the small things develop into bigger things. The final thing here. It said before the heavy rain fell. That the wind blew. Oh, that word, wind, that word ruach, that word breath. That other theologian I mentioned, Bear Grylls, said this, I watch all these shows. He's really good at restarting fires. And there's times when you have to restart a fire where you dig, you dig in to what looks like it's already been burned up, and you take out something that looks like, it's still warm, it's still warm, and what happens is he'll, he'll wrap it up in things, and he'll put it in his hands, and he'll begin to blow on it. And when he begins to blow on it, here's the thing, and here's what's uncomfortable about what God's asking us as a church to begin to do. It's to be able to identify things that other people have written off. Uh, just throw sand on it. that's Just bury it. Just cover it over. But as long as there's breath on this side of heaven, there's life. And it's time to begin. It is time to begin to look at situations and pick it up again pick it up again. But know that when the breath starts blowing on it, the smoke's going to get in your eyes. The tears are going to be fallen and you're not going to be able to help it. You may cough a little bit. It may be uncomfortable for you. You may not smell the way that you did before because you've done been ruined by what the glory does. And then there's going to come a point, and I've seen this with Bear grills, that when the flame does come on, that you aren't going to be able to hold it anymore you aren't going to be able to control it anymore you're going to have to put it down and when you do it's going to spread that is what the fire of God is about that is what revival is about I'm going to ask you something and I'm getting in your business Me preface this by the words, in love I say this. What have you quit praying for that you need to pick up again? What have you quit praying for? There are some of you that when it comes to marriage, you quit praying for it. You put it on the back burner. Nope. Pray for it. There's some of you that when it comes to family situations, I am done, I've written that person off. Maybe you need to pick it up again. Because in God, their prayer changes things. You cannot change things the way God can change things. Pick it up again and begin to ask God, let your breath blow on this. Begin to bring life to it again because long as there is breath, there is hope. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over dead and dying situations in this house. And again, and again. If you'll stand, please. boldness right now, I would ask you to look square on that situation that is the weight on your shoulders that keeps you up at night. Look square at that situation and in ridiculous faith, hear the sound of abundant rain. In ridiculous faith and not to shame anyone, but to say those things that you put down for whatever reason and quit praying about, pick them up. Pick them up and hold them up. Get ready to stretch into a place that you never have been before because you're about to ascend in God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, right now, I speak your life over your people. There is no situation that is impossible for you. There is no famine for which you can't break. You're the God who sent fire from heaven. So how hard would it be for you to send the rain? In this moment, God, I speak life, and life abundant to situations. I pray for those that are weary, God, that you would let them know that it's coming. And God, for the revival that is breaking out everywhere, Father, I say send it here in the name of Jesus.